What is going on, everybody? Hope you are having a wonderful week. So, this is podcast time, and on this week's episode, we've got the one and only Anna Luno. Um, I've known Anna for a few years, obviously. If you don't know Anna, then I'm not too sure what rock you've been sleeping under, but Anna is a DJ, producer, had multiple huge records out over the years. Um from Australia. She's also one of the or part of the furniture. Apple Music has her dance record show. Um she's an amazing person and I love talking to her. Um so without further ado, Anna Luno. And we are live. Anna, how's it going? Oh, I'm really good, but I am failing at time management today already. <laughs> and it's only 10 a.m. I've already given myself a massive fail. But um, yes. Well, well you did just blame Chris Lake. So. Threw him under the bus. Threw him under um, the bus. I actually literally. had an interview with him for my radio show this morning, yeah. and it was at an hour earlier. And I it was half an hour earlier from that. So I texted Chris and I was like, hey, I'm running early. Do you want to jump on? We'll knock this out really quick because I wanted to get a workout in before I talk to you. Yeah. What ended up happening? Me and Chris like gas bagged for over an hour and I'm running late for you and I didn't do a workout. Well, do you want me to also, he messaged me probably like an hour ago as well. <laughs> what did he say? I, he was like, oh, are you playing Miami on this time? Because I'm going to be in town at the same time. So That's so funny. During those periods, we were all talking how's life anyway connected sorry i'm just cleaning up my space um life is good it's an interesting time still for me like i'm yeah. definitely not back in no. my zone yet i'm sort of like still in force uh i'm like an i'm kind of like an air balloon that's lost mm. its grounding and i'm just kind of flopping around yeah. the place but i'm learning a lot and i'm um going with the flow <laughs> You're still in um, Australia, right? I'm still in Australia. I had to relocate during the pandemic to make it easier to survive with my two little kids. Yeah. And I needed to be closer to my family. Mm. So I came back to Australia last year and I didn't know how long I'd be here for. I just was like, I, I'm not coping. Yeah. I need to go back. And then I'm still here right now. Um I'm definitely heading back in the game mm. early next year because they actually shut the borders here. You couldn't get in or out yeah, really. It's wild. And so I haven't been able to leave and they've actually still not opened the borders probably. Or maybe they did at the beginning of this month. Yeah, I think, I think they've started to, but mm, I think because you can the leave. flights are so backed up, there's yeah. like you still can't even get a flight. And if you do get a flight, it's like $10,000 oh, more expensive. So I was I'm just going to sit tight. I was looking for flights to Japan <laughs> the other day just because I was like, Oh, let's just see what what flights are like from the UK. It's like twelve grand, Fuck. and I'm like, who's who's flying? Who's spending oh, like for for an economy flight? Not even for like a a business or first class. Like that's just straight up twelve grand, and you're just like, yeah. Ah. And so that's exactly the same as here. And not only that, the flights keep getting cancelled, and you keep getting bumped off your mm. flight. So there's no way to know that you're going to be able to get back in. And I've got two little kids. Like I can't run the risk of just not getting no. back in and no. um, ending up divorced when I get back here because <laughs> my husband's like freaking. But also 
what they say to do is to buy first class or business so that you, you have more power. So if, you, if they bump the flight, they're going to find you another seat. And it's like, well, there's He's, no point in going because I won't make any money or like be able to do any gigs anyway, really. Yeah. So like there's, and then you, oh, and you had to quarantine before they've just stopped the hotel quarantine. So then you'd have to pay like another $3,000 on top to be quarantined in a hotel for two weeks away from everybody. Um, so yeah, it was just too hard to leave. So I just sort of stayed here. Australia's <laughs> just like turned into this crazy, like crazy place. It's a little bit of a crazy place, but at the same time, we've had a really low mortality rate. Oh yeah. From yeah, COVID. yeah. So like on one hand, I totally see the stuff online. I'm like, well, yeah, that's kind of true. But at the same time, our loss per million people or something Super is like low. minuscule. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they have saved a lot of lives. So it just depends on how you want to think about it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Have you enjoyed being back though? I have. Um, I'm still, I obviously like being, I haven't been close to my family for over eight years yeah. um, in proximity. Mm. So it's been really important to me to be back here and for them to get to know my kids yeah. and for me to sort of, be close to my parents who are not getting any younger and all that kind of stuff. Um, So on that regard, it's been really good in a lot of ways. And in another way, I don't even know that this is really the Sydney that I remember too, because everything's been shut. Yeah. So I don't even know what's back here. I feel like, I feel like I live in this house. Mm, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's in Sydney. I don't know where, like, I just don't know where it is, Mm. but I, I live in this house and I exist on the internet. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? Because it was kind of the same for me going back to the UK. I hadn't, I'd been back a lot more than probably you'd been back to Australia, but I hadn't spent time in the UK for that long. Like, Mm. I think it was like six years. And yeah, you're right. Like, parents get older. You're like, for me, like, niece and nephews are getting older. Like, Mm. just people's lives. Like, I don't know if you've you've been able to like see any friends or anything like that. Um, but it's like pe- people's lives change, and it's it's mad the the world that we kind of live in because we're on the go all the time, and then all of a sudden we're like told that we have to stop, and that's kind of how did you find that kind of like whole reflection period? Because I I know so many people that just like went ups and downs, but was like because you had the kids and all the family, it was like kind of nice. Well, it started out really brutally because I actually, I mean, I think that people that follow me online might have picked it up, but I got really sick at the end of last year in a pregnancy, in a bad pregnancy Mm. situation. Um, And I actually ended up like being really unwell and like, and ending up in hospital and not able to hear for a month and all these things Mm. that happened. So when, even right before the pandemic started, I had the baby. And I was already in like four months worth of crisis mode yeah. where I was feeling like I'd had to cancel some gigs. I'd had to basically stay in bed for a month and try and not, you know, nothing serious happened to the baby. And then the pandemic hit after I was already at rock bottom. So mm. basically I lost childcare for my second child. So I was with a newborn baby and a toddler recovering from like a really bad physical experience where I'd lost a lot of weight. I was really emaciated. I had a lot of digestion issues and all this kind of stuff. So it's that beginning part of the pandemic was truly very much survival for me and my partner. Like we were really, really unwell and, and like 
scared and yeah. going through like a very serious time. Mm-hmm. Uh, on top of that was the pandemic, which was hugely stressful. And um, then there was like, we, we had to make changes. So then we were like, okay, we're going to go back to Sydney because we need help. Yeah. And so we made all the plans and, and slowly those plans happened over like a four month period. And then we got back here and then we started to heal a little bit and be able to reflect and have those moments. But I definitely felt like I was having a very different experience to most people that I was talking to because um, it wasn't just me going through the pandemic. I was protecting these little babies. And one of them, the the newborn baby was five weeks premature. Yeah, Like he was literally like in hospital for a month. So I was just, my main focus was just keeping them all alive and happy. Uh, so there was no reflection. There was no like baking sourdough bread. There was no, there was none of that. It was like very, very serious time for yeah. me. And I'm just, I'm playing catch up, just trying to like work out where what's happened to my career and what's happened mm. to my life and everything that I've known for the last 15 years is being uprooted. Mm. And I don't, and I know deeply that like there's amazing learning to come from this and I'm changing and mm. in many ways, like, the growth that I'd had there was all I needed and I'm ready for new challenges, all these things. But like, it's still really hard to, to like constantly to get a reminder on my phone of like this day last year. And I'm like, what the hell? Who's that? Whose life is that? And what the fuck happened? Yeah. (laughs) I know you relate. Yeah. It's, it was, it's wild. I don't relate to that at all because no, I didn't have kids to look after and I wasn't pregnant. So like, but just I mean like the 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 time thing totally, and like looking yeah. back and being like whoa totally I guess did it how did the whole radio thing keep going during it for you like because obviously all of your shows did you keep doing that or did you have somebody kind of st- step in for you I've kept doing it that was the one True thing that. that I delivered yeah I I just kept doing it. I took three or four weeks off when the baby was in hospital or yeah. maybe even a whole month off, but mm. I kept doing it because um, because it's so a part of my mm. weekly routine, routine, you know. I'm just so used to doing it. And quite honestly, I mean, I need a job. Yeah. And I would never ju- – that job's been the lifeline for me now, like mm. through the pandemic. Yeah. And mm. I love doing it. Yeah. So it's like I never would have let that slip you know, but it did put me in some pretty crazy situations, like having to do interviews at all hours of the night in different time zones while I've got like sleeping babies in the room or like juggling things and, and really just being like crossing my fingers, like, oh my God. But there was once my daughter, I was talking to, during the pandemic, Apple did these kind of like at home with specials and they would partner up a whole like a handful of people to do at home Mm. fun specials of like, how are you going? And I was in an at home special with Alesso and Liam Payne from One Direction (laughs) and another one of the Beats One Home, another one of the Apple Music hosts. Um, And yeah, my daughter was like banging on the door, like screaming, trying to get in. And I'm like, this is mental. How is it that I'm on the phone to One Direction and my my two-year-old is going completely mental and like rattling the door like let me in i was like fuck you that's the thing kids don't give a fuck do they they just want their mum and there's something there's something so beautiful about that i love that because it's like when you tell your daughter that in 10 years time 
she'd be like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. But that's, I, I love that you can yeah. tell her that it, to a certain extent. It's kind of like an amazing thing. But I don't know if you've experienced it, but like if you're like calling like mobile phone companies or like airlines and they're, all of their staff were like at home during the pandemic taking calls. So like I've heard so many like random things happen in the background of people just being like, <laughs> like the dogs barking and it's so weird that you don't hear it, but it's kind of, it's changed. The world's changed. I don't think it's. Definitely. I was on a lot of calls where there would be like, the it would be the, you know, corporate calls and they would mm. be in their kitchen and their mum would yeah. walk past in a dressing gown like <laughs> I love that. I did love the breaking down of the third wall and the pretense that yeah. we're all supposed to hold together, that life is like we're professionals. It's like, no, we're a whole bunch of animals, sacks of like flesh. Literally. Flapping around planet Earth. Yeah, I love it. I, I think it's, it, although there's been a lot of negatives, I think out of it, I, I really hope a lot of people can take positives out of it. And I don't know about you, if, if you've seen it kind of in the music industry, there's been some people that it's been it's hit really hard and kind of they've fallen off but I think there's also a lot of people that have like really really like refocused their lives and kind of found out that just doing the same old grind that we do every weekend isn't necessarily for them um and how do you change that up and how do you make money elsewhere as well um do you want to go back to touring definitely because I think it's I think it's one of the things I'm best at, which is really frustrating <laughs> because it's, you know, I, I, I think it is one of my most essential elements of my um, skill set. Mm. And it's something that I get a lot of spirit out of, but I think that it has to be re-approached yeah. completely. And I think that it's going to look different on the other side. Mm. Um, even just, how do you? Mean? I'm starting now to put, just I'm not going to tour as constantly. It's yeah. going to be like releasing a thing and then mm. touring it, you yeah. know, which I think in a way it's a really confusing bit for me because I don't know about you. You've been in the game a long time, but like I'm just putting my phone on do not disturb so I can see someone texting me. Um, I've been in the game a long time and I started when um, in Australia you could just be a DJ and not make and release music. Yeah. You could be like a big touring DJ so I wasn't by any means a big touring DJ, but I definitely had like a solid touring career yeah. by 20, 2007 and I started making music in 2007, didn't release anything till 2010. Mm. So there was like a three-year period where I'm still DJing a lot, playing all big festivals and not releasing my own music until 2009 or 10. And then the music was always playing catch-up to the gigs. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, I've never been able to have the luxury of making without thinking about gigs. And it was always an approach that frustrated me and felt like I felt like I was on the back foot. Mm. So there's been that that's been really nice. I've spent a lot of time in the studio in the last mm. maybe a year now, you know, since I got resettled in Australia. I've been quite productive and, and filled in a lot of gaps in my um, production capabilities that, you know, I needed to. and yeah. and whatever I just had a lot more time to sit with the sit with everything and, and work out the true sound that I'm ready to commit to instead of just having three weeks off touring bashing out some songs yeah. and being like yeah I can make them work and then like doing that so that's been a really cool thing for me and I think that 
in the position I'm in in life now where I've actually toured nonstop for 13, 15, whatever years. Yeah. Um, I don't want to do it in the set. I don't, I don't need to be out there every weekend now. It's going to look a little different, but I still want to be out there for sure. And I still think that um, there's a lot to gain from being in that game. I love it a lot. Mm. I didn't... And you know what was cool is that I got to stop and ask myself if I wanted to go back in and yeah. I still decided to go back in. Well, I think so, that's, I think the fact that you've spent a year in the studio as well means that you still want to do it. Right. I think totally. I think that's, the there's thing, no one it? here. It's yeah. just me and like in a room on my own. Mm. If you can, that's exactly right. And that was the quest. That was the thinking, like what's going to keep me excited every day. I just need yeah. to feel good every day. Mm. So what, what am I going to do to feel good every day? And and it turned out, luckily, to be making music. <laughs> if it wasn't, you'd be absolutely fucked now anyway. <laughs> I start crocheting. I'm like, actually, I really love knitting. Yeah. I'm just into color palettes right now. But yeah. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, that's good. That's exciting. I didn't know you were a DJ before a producer. Um, how was that kind of starting out in Australia? Because Australia is a whole different world to the rest of the world. Australia is a different world and I'm remembering it again now that I'm back. It's actually crazy. There's a whole ecosystem for the music here Mm. that it exists on an island and there's Mm. a lot of acts here that are really big that don't tour America and just are really big here, you know, and you face all that as you come back because on one hand you come back as someone who's bigger overseas and on the other hand some of the metrics aren't as important as like who's got the local ticket sales and who's doing this. So it's been quite an education. So it's a bit of a um, hodgepodge of an industry because it's small country and we only have a certain amount of people. And so there's only certain amount of scenes that can thrive Mm. really well. Mm. So if you're into a sound that's not thriving at that time, it might thrive in three years, but for whatever reason, it's not thriving now. You really have nowhere to play. Yeah. So what it meant for me was I could do anything, like put me in a room and I could play like for this kind of crowd, that kind of crowd, big room, small room, house, techno, hip hop, rap. Like I could play that dance hall. Like I could play everything. Mm. Disco sets. Like, so I literally spent the first three years just jack of all tradings it, like kind of just like classic local DJ style. Um, and I'm grateful for that musical education because I always dive hard, Mm. you know, like even if I had to do a one hour support slot for disclosure or a one hour support slot for a track or one hour support slot for, who else I do like back when you know in the tropical house days it was like solo or mum dance Mm. or you know whether it was Elvis 9090 or the Night Slugs guys whatever or the more kind you know so I was all on all those shows MIA was my first big spot so no matter what the show was I just dived so hard into whatever genre it was and um I'm happy for all that education and I still have every one of my favorite um achievements is that i have all the songs that i've ever played still in my itunes so like i have all of your little bootlegs that you made 100 (laughs) years ago and put on soundcloud for a free download i have them all no way um so it's it's great it's it's like a funny thing that i always like that's so wild to me because i didn't know you knew who i was until like i honestly thought like i i knew who you were but I honestly didn't think you knew who I was until like two years ago. No, I mean, we never had much crossover, but from Australia, 
we looked at overseas all the time. So like Australia has that small town mentality where you think that everything that's happening overseas is where the action is. Yeah. Even though there's times when Australia is kind of leading certain sounds, but like more um, often than not, I, I, it was actually really sweet. Like DJs would come to town and my group of friends would be throwing the parties and we'd put on the barbecue mm, yeah. and we'd like cook a big, we have a party for them. And we were so excited yeah. to have them and to see what they'd play. Like, Cinden used to come out here and we'd throw parties for him and we'd all get together on a Thursday and have a big barbecue and then he'd play on the Friday night and then we'd get him a gig in Melbourne on a Saturday. And like that was a really big deal for yeah. us because yeah. we we were on all the message boards. We were, you know, following everything but felt so far away. Mm. So like I kind of, yeah, we I was I've always been like a really big fan of electronic music and a fan of electronic musicians. And then I moved to America and sort of got in the game yeah. officially. Um, but in a lot of ways, like the years before that, I was already like the most ultimate voyeur and the most ultimate like nerd keeping yeah, track of that. everything. What was the what was the bridge between like what was the point when you're like, I have to go to America? And why America? Um well, there was a few reasons. Oh, that's a good question. Why America? So I had started going over there because I had a family friend who was a hip-hop DJ in New York, and she invited me to come assist her because she always needed people to help her out. So I, I, like, went and stayed with her for a few months and sort of saw things firsthand, and I was like, oh, I can do this. And so I met some people and then I started getting booked to play like fashion events in New York. And so I'd fly, I'd get like some sweet gig DJing for Prada and then I'd book all the gigs through Brooklyn the same night. So I'd have a car service from the Prada gig and I'd have a $3,000 outfit on that they'd lent me for the night. And then I'd go and play at like Jubilee's yeah. um, party in Brooklyn later with like... <laughs> You know, all these guys. So, I, And then I'd rock up in like a car service and they're like, who is this girl? But I was just like, I don't know. Like I played disco at this fashion event for an hour. They gave me this outfit in this car and, and now I'm coming to play for you guys for 75 bucks. That's like, so good. That was, I love that. So that's sort of like the, the way that it started where I just sort of used these amazing opportunities, which I was lucky to find. Uh, a, a like I was lucky to be able to do probably because I had so much genre experience mm. and so many, you know, I had four or five years of that experience yeah. under my belt. Um, and so, yeah, I sort of worked out this weird thing where I would, I would put together a tour with all the artists that I've been supporting in Australia. Mm. So I'd email them and be like, oh, I'm coming to town. They're like, okay, cool. We do a party on Tuesdays. So if you can get to Baltimore on Tuesday, we can pay you 50 bucks or a hundred bucks to play on a Tuesday night. I'd be like, sweet, I'll be there. Mm. And I did. So I did that like three or four times. I went over in 2009. I went over twice. 2010, I went over once, I think. But that's when I started doing Ministry of Sound in Australia. So I was pretty busy. Uh, Okay. Um, Was that with Paul? Pardon? Was that with Paul as Badari? Paul Sticks? Paul as Badari. Oh, Paul as a party. No, yeah. I've been playing for Paul as a party since 2007. Paul as a party doesn't work for ministry. He works for um, Chinese Laundry, which is like a big club there. But he and they were. Did, he works for ministry. It's not called ministry though. Now is it? It's called Poster Child. No, it's called Tomorrow or something. Oh, they've changed but their I think so many times. Maybe Paul works there now, but he wasn't yeah. working there then. He was working at Chinese, Chinese Laundry. Laundry. He was like the head booker at Chinese mm. Laundry. Yeah, yeah. So. 
Yeah, Ministry of Sound was basically like every kid got a Ministry of Sound CD for Christmas or every second kid, and then I was the first woman to mix one of those oh, in sick. 2010. Yeah, it was cool. So I did that and big like tours across Australia and stuff, which felt like a really big deal at the time. Ministry was Um, massive in Australia. Ministry had like, it was was massive in the UK because it was exactly the same situation as like everyone bought, got given it at Christmas. It was like a big thing. And then I didn't realize how big it was because it was Trent, wasn't it? Trent Trent Rackett. Yeah, Trent, what a legend. Uh Love that guy. Um, (laughs) He he's funny. Yeah, I remember. He's kid. So I played for ministry last week, just a side note. And his daughter, who was like born when I started working for them, was at the club in front of like, you know what I mean? It's like, what? Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. It's it's mad when like I was played um Crossfest and it wasn't crossed, it was day moves like in the summer. And MK brought his uh, his like thirteen year old daughter there. And I was mm. like, This is just wild. But it's so amazing to see. There's something about like like that was like the first time that she'd ever seen him play. She didn't really know what he yeah. did. And I was like, it Very kind of, nice. it made me want to cry to a certain extent. I was like, this is just like perfect. Just cause it's like, it's so nice to see families experience experiences together. Cause what we do is no one really experiences it apart from our mates. If you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's kind of, it feels like you live a double life. Like right 100%. now I'm like a, I'm an undercover DJ hanging around with moms at yeah. my daycare. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, sometimes yeah. they find out who I am and they're like, oh my god i just saw your instagram oh this is so weird i'm like oh god okay yeah. oh and she, and I, she was like oh my god i know i think you're such a badass and i was like uh moms are the most badass people yeah. on the whole planet yeah. what we do is literally i can tell you it's not as hard as having kids being a dj and doing all this. it is not no, as hard. giving birth this it, is what i do for fun now yeah just giving birth yeah. in its own is just something completely different that no nobody oh else oh my is. god yeah fuck that Good joke <laughs> Um so Just sorry. surprised that any of us make it. Yeah, right? It's nature's wild. And truly. And then it's us men complaining that we've got a cold. <laughs> <laughs> it's awful. We're such we're so weak. Um have you, have you seen that have you seen that uh those TikTok videos of like those um dudes like having like electric um things put on their stomach? And it's like and it, imitating contractions yeah. and stuff. And they're just yeah, like creeping out. It's hilarious. Um so you yeah. so we sorry, I kind of butted in, but we were in this in the story of going from touring ministry to, to the US. Yeah. So then by like twenty eleven I decided. And basically I'd reached a point in Australia where I'd done everything that they were gonna allow me to do. Mm. Like I in Australia at the time as a local DJ, you were never going to play past 2 p.m. at a festival, which yeah. is fair enough. I mean, you know, but they booked all the internationals, so you could only play by 2 p.m. And there's only like three or four at the time big touring electronic festivals. Yeah. And I'd done all of them five, you know, so many times that it was like, well, all that can happen now is that like someone else comes along mm, and yeah. they choose them instead of me. And like, I know I'm really good at this. And I know that, you know, I, I'm playing with all these big DJs and crushing it. And like, I think I, I'm making music as well, but like, I feel like I'm just needing to be in a different environment to kind of take that next step and grow. So I convinced my partner, my husband to move with me. Um, I, first of all, I took him on a trip to LA. So we went, we were like, let's go on a holiday. 
So like, okay, well, let's go to America and then we'll do this road trip and I'll play some gigs in LA and then we'll go to, oh God, what did, where did we go again? We went to like San Francisco and we drove down to LA and then we flew to New York and I did some gigs there. It's like a working holiday, but like we're driving down the highway one down Big Sur and it's like the blue skies, yeah. the, the, the flowers up the mountain, the sea on the side. And I'm like, babe, let's move here. Let's never go back. He's just like, yeah. And I was like, nailed it. You had that plan the whole time, didn't you? You had I'm that. Like, I'm not going to lie. It was always on the agenda, but I just picked my moment. <laughs> Everything's timing, Will. So I picked my moment perfectly and he was down for it, even though he was kind of scared. But he was in a stage in his life where he could take the risk. Mm. You know, he was had a business that could run from there cool. that he'd started, that he's, you know, he... It, it was something that he no longer does, but he had enough flexibility in his life where he felt like he could do it. And so he did. And it was so invigorating because I just started again. And I, um, and it really was, you know, incredible learning time. Like it was, it was the bigger leagues. It was like incredible to work, to ask so much more of myself mm. and to live up to my own expectations. And I played Coachella two weeks two years later, like less, I think I played Coachella in 2013. I moved in 2012. Um, So like it confirmed what I already knew, which was that like in some levels I have what it takes to Mm. go big. I just haven't had the right tools or the right kind of like opportunities, but I know that I'm really good at this. And I I just really, I really wanted to prove to myself that I was as good as I thought I could be. And that's what I set out to do. What was um, it? What was it that kind of when you got to America that changed it to go from where you were like just touring around to then playing Coachella and things like that? Was there like a specific it moment? Honestly, was it was more of the same. It was just me continuing on, like getting different opportunities yeah. and bigger stages to play on. Like Australia just didn't have the opportunities that I wanted it to have to keep me growing. Yeah. So I just kept growing and kept doing what I'd always done. Um, and kept working on music and and kept, you know, meeting people and working towards like this bigger goal of just requiring the most out of myself. And I really did do that. <laughs> I took it all the way to like stupid levels of yeah. um, productivity and pushing myself. On like, yeah. so was that more so writing or was that? absolutely everything from like literally every show to touring every show every like all the release schedule the radio the all the other things I was doing on the side like I've always done all of that and I just pushed it and just squeezed the actual squeeze the absolute most that I could out of myself for like a good four years I was at max capacity yeah. for everything. Yeah. And I kept having babies in between that, which was just r- ridiculous. How many kids do you have now? Two. Two. What's that like having kids whilst doing that? Like the most unbelievable marathon you've ever run. Like, you know, when you come back from a week away a yeah. set of shows or like a month of hard touring. Imagine that you get the 6 a.m. flight back on Sunday and then you have kids dropped in your lap by 2 p.m. and you're babysitting, you're taking care of them and just on your feet running around and saying just like there's no downtime. Yeah. Whatever downtime and balance you had before, you do not have anymore. Mm, Um, 
So that's the start of it. And then, of course, there's the physical requirements of like breastfeeding a child and touring with a breast pump and pumping on planes, (laughs) pumping next to sleeping old men on planes and like storing breast milk in every hotel you go and sending it back and, you know, crying because the, the hotel lost the milk that you pumped and now you don't have enough milk for your baby. Yeah. It's, um, it's like, there's, you know, the time that I used to spend perfecting my sets went Yeah. the time that I used to spend, you know, I just had to make sacrifices, Totally. but at the same time, what I will say is that I was, it gave me the opportunity to be hyper productive. Mm. Like I was able to do so much more because I had this capacity that I never had yeah. before I had children. Yeah. Like when I think about but what I did before I had children, I just didn't have the, even nearly the capacity that I do now. Mm. Yeah. I've, just I've had so many, and- I've had so many conversations with people and it, it, it either goes and i've said this before on the podcast but it either goes two ways that i've from from an outside point of view is that having kids either makes you super productive and your career just takes off even more because you're so like time is so valuable so you have to make every bit of time that you have exactly or go completely the opposite where it just goes kids take over and career goes down the pan um yeah i can see how both things happen too because like even now I think so much of it as well is is your support systems totally. and what you're able to rig up. Like that thing, I was walking this tightrope and I was fortunate that I have certain support systems at that time. Yeah. But then with the COVID, they got ripped away. Yeah. So all the productivity that I was able to do before the pandemic, I was no longer able to sustain because I didn't have the support network yeah. that I had. So that's the thing. Like I kind of have this weird um feeling when I post about something and people are like, oh, it's so amazing that you're able to do this with kids. And I and I feel almost bad because I want to say that's not the whole story. Yeah. And like I can only do this because of this. Mm. And I can only do this because I have a supportive partner who can do this. Yeah. Like the privilege and the um support system behind you is what allows you to do it. Like totally. yes, I show up and I work hard, but without that I couldn't do it actually. Yeah. So I I don't want anyone comparing their journey to mine because they might not have the support systems that I have right now. But I I I might not have the support systems that I have in a month. I guess to play devil's advocate on that and kind of throw yourself a bit of a bone is you've worked hard to get those support systems. And of course you're extremely fortunate that you're in that situation to have that, but you work fucking hard. I literally remember talking to Mika, AKA born dirty um, and was like, how the fuck does Anna do it? Like have kids be pregnant and still touring. And I I remember seeing a video of you like fully pregnant and touring. And I'm like, this is wild. Like take a break girl. But also I like, you're right. I don't see the behind the scenes. I don't see the team behind you. I don't see your partner behind you, like actually making all of that doable for you. Um, exactly. Yeah, it's like it was interesting when I was pregnant because people would see you for 45 minutes or an hour once a week, you know, like I could be lying down horizontally (laughs) the rest of that time. Whereas if I worked in the store, if I worked in, uh, um, if I worked in, you know, uh, an office, I would be on my feet or at work from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. So in a lot of ways, 
being pregnant while touring. The travel was tough, yeah, like, but my work I can do from bed when I need to. Like I made many radio shows in bed. Yeah. And I really did just try to take care of myself. And it and it it and it really I was lucky because even though I got sick in my pregnancy, that wasn't related to anything with this. That yeah. was related to some organ stuff mm. that I have genetic like organ issue on this particular thing. And um my physicality and my skeleton. So lots of women get bad hips and backs. Mm. I never got that. So my physical strength when I was pregnant was really powerful. Like I could yeah. jump off. I was like jumping off the decks and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I was like, like what the fuck is she doing? <laughs> like, this is crazy. I felt really good. good. And I DJed the whole time. Yeah. So all the muscles that I use to do mm. these things that I've done for 15 years my body just got stronger yeah. and I was able to stay, stay dancing and stay moving. And in many ways, DJing was the only time that I felt like myself because yeah. my body was getting taken over by this alien that was yeah. like absorbing all my nutrients and <laughs> making me hugely bigger. But that's when I felt like myself. Mm. So in a mental way, it really tied me back into my own identity in a way that it's very easy to get lost in when you're pregnant. hundred percent. So, 100% and I think that's super important you still it's it's like it's like anything it's so easy to get caught up in things right and whether that's your job whether that's a relationship whether that's anything it's you still need time for yourself and to kind of reflect and and learn about life and sit back at, at it all and be like yeah I'm happy right now or I'm not happy right now or what do I need to do to to do this so it was kind of amazing to see you still do that like i was i was pretty amazed to be fair um thank you i will take that as a compliment because it definitely is now when i look back on it i feel proud of myself yeah now. definitely when i look back now because yeah. i know that it wasn't easy but i'm happy um that i was able to do it yeah how did the whole radio thing start with you Radio started before I DJed. Yeah, I I didn't know this, but I kind of got the the idea that this was beforehand. So I started uh, volunteering at a Sydney station called FBI, which you might know have gone here. Yeah, which is like the KCRW, like young youth station. Yeah, that had just started when I left uni or left school, dropped out of uni, um, and I started volunteering at the station just meeting people and doing all-nighters yeah. on the on the radio. Um, and then through that, I started DJing because mm. I started getting asked to, like, curate music for an art gallery opening or, like, a store opening because it was all community-driven. So yeah. they had sponsors of the station, which would be, like, the local art gallery. Yeah. So then the art gallery would be throwing a party and they're like, oh, does one of the FBI DJs want to come and, like, play music or program the music and we would get paid in like free drinks so I was like yeah let's go um and that's how I started DJing so the radio was first and then I worked on that station till I left for America in 2012 mm. and then Zane Lowe contacted me about doing FBI doing uh Apple Music in 2015 so there was like yeah. four years or three or four years where I wasn't doing radio and then they were looking for someone for Apple Music to do the dance, to do a dance show. Did you know and Zane by, beforehand? He had premiered a song of mine, but I 
it was a song with Teed with yeah. totally enormous extinct dinosaurs. And I think he was more of a Teed fan, didn't really know who I was. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that's the link, but he said that they had a list of people and then he listened to some mixes of mine online and saw me in an interview talking about how I started on community radio yeah. and that was what he needed to hear. So that's, that's really lucky. Zane's yeah. like Zane's like one of my idols. I literally, yeah, like, yeah. I grew up. Me too. I grew up listening to him on the BBC. I bet. Like he, he is like one of the reasons why I listen to a lot of the music I listen to. Like I remember working in a fish and chip shop, listening to him at like seven till nine. I was washing the dishes, and like, <laughs> I, 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 I kind of. He was like my musical education when I was like a teenager. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. What's it? What's it like? working at apple it's pretty amazing yeah so i just remember my first meeting with zane i mean it came out of nowhere for me like in my head i'm just doing gigs hustling trying to like make my dj career happening happen in america and feeling like things are happening but it's still really hard for me um and I get a notification like Zane Lowe's followed you on Twitter. And I was like, that's weird. And then the next week I end up with him at like Will I Am studio in, in Hollywood. And it's, it's called the future. And it's yeah. like, there's no corners. It's just bendy mm. materials everywhere. Um, and Zane was just like, look, you know what you're doing. How about you just make the best radio show you can? And I was like, okay. I love and then that. I had to deliver it to Two days later, I sent through my first radio show that I produced myself. Like, luckily, I had all those years of experience. Yeah. So I was just like, okay, two hours. How long? Okay, what can I do? What can- okay. Yeah. I delivered it. He's like, perfect. It's going to air on Friday. I was like, what? Okay. And then there was this launch, and it was like, I had to keep it on the download yeah. for a month. That's right. It was a month before my show went to air. Um, and I think I did get to do some tweaks or update the music or something, but it was like, cool yep that's we love it um but you can't tell anyone for a month because they're going to do this big launch and then when I saw the launch I was really shooting myself because I was like my show's after q-tip show (laughs) and it's like Dr. Dre q-tip my show and then I can't remember the lineup but it was just like Elton John like it was oh my god I was like what am I doing on this who (laughs) how did this happen um, I felt completely just overwhelmed with what the hell was going on. And I still remember on the first show, Q-Tip DM'd me on Twitter and was like, yo, you're a beast. And like, no I'm getting way. all these messages on Twitter. And I was just like, what the hell is happening to me right now? It was so cool. That's it amazing. Was like, it was incredible. It was such a cool moment. I can't believe that actually happened to me. So, yeah. I mean, the experiences. I mean, you know what it's like when all you do is care about music. Mm. The only thing that matters to you is when people you admire yeah. acknowledge your... Whatever you do. Whatever you do. That's all that matters to you, really. It's so it's wild. All that matters. Like, yeah, because anyone... It'll like, never get old. It never will, and it will never... Like, you can have your mum, your dad, who your mate your best mate say that they like something from you but it means nothing and really until somebody that you've always looked up to is like i love your shit keep it up 
It's the best yeah, feeling. I mean, definitely hits a certain bone. Who who that, was it that for you that's done it the most? Where you're like, oh yeah, I've made it. Oh, I don't know that I've made it. I've no, but you know it. what I mean. Because realistically, I think I think your mindset's pretty similar to mine. We we never really make it. We never. There's always some something better to do. There's always a way to to kind of push forward. But what was the the point in your career where you're like, okay, this is this is pretty amazing feeling. I think there's been a few little ones. I think mm. that for me, my best skill has been my grit. Yeah. So for like, I don't know that there's been that many times when I've gotten that that much of, I know I just told that extreme story about the Apple Music launch. That was one of the moments. Yeah. But I think that if I'm completely honest, it's it's been a lot of those little versions of that. Yeah, I don't yeah. think that there's been anyone who's really said that to me and I think that um what's kept me going is me being totally. being like determined to prove something to myself um more than anything more than any external validation but there's definitely been moments that I felt really proud of like I was really happy with um like a lot of my songs aren't very friendly for other DJs to play they're yeah. really really just constructed for me to play in my sets mm. and I think that you know, like when 303 did really well and people really, um, other DJs were playing yeah. that. I was really proud of that because that was like, <laughs> it's one thing for the audience to really love your songs yeah. because they like to listen to them at home. But having lots of DJs playing them makes, is really nice. Such too. nice. So that was a nice yeah. moment. Um, and yeah, there's been, there was a few DJs that reached out to me at that time and really acknowledged it. And same when I did, um, bass drum dealer. I remember there was some really like just little things. Honestly, it's just like a big DJ tweeting it and being like, "This song is really fresh." Yeah, you know, just that's all really that keeps you going when yeah, you yeah. have doubts. No, um, and I can I can definitely remember exactly who it was, and I definitely screenshotted it. But I feel a bit silly go on, saying say like, "Come on, <laughs> such and such tweeted." Wow, this is hot! <laughs> Exclamation mark emoji. Like I feel like a bit of a doofus, so I'm not going to do that, but. Yes, there were some of those moments. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice feeling. Um, it's stroking our egos to a certain extent, right? We need it stroked a little totally. bit now and again. Yeah, which um, you do need because you also get shat on all the time <laughs> yeah, like, by, like, people on the internet. So you do need to have that balance. I'm do you, do you get that? Did, did you get that often, though? People talking shit? I have, like, one or two people who've come for me over the years. Um, and that's, I've been pretty lucky and I think that's because I'm not that big. Yeah. I think the bigger you get, the more you get a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. Same for me. I never really get, you always get one dickhead, but they're probably just having a bad yeah. day. Yeah. It's their loss. Yeah. And it's usually they're like mad because they want to do it exactly. and they take it out on you a bit, yeah. which I get because I, because I had so many years as a local DJ yeah. and so many years where I really wanted to, to be in the big leagues mm. and I wasn't. I definitely would like in those early years would be like in my head, like they're not even that good. I could do that, you know? So I do, I do understand where they're coming from. Like sometimes when I see, if I see someone be like, Oh, blah, blah, blah. I feel like writing to them being like, keep going. You can make it. Like I kind of want to just be really encouraging to them and be like, 
you're just mad because you want to just keep going you can do it too (laughs) jealousy is a thing isn't it it's it's a real thing we all have it yeah we all have it um we'll have it what's with the radio show uh how important is it to you finding and pushing new artists because i know you do do that that's all the basis of everything i've always done like it's the same as my first radio show so it'll be it's always been about con- making sure the conversation is steering in the most exciting authentic yeah direction as possible because the machine that dance music lives in and, and the ways in which it feeds up the algorithm and like finds its way to popularity. It needs different things thrown in as much yeah. as it possibly can to get good stuff to the top. And I just see my role as being like continuously throwing the best ideas in the pot as I can. Mm-hmm. That's what I can yeah. do to help the conversation. And I take it pretty seriously. Yeah. So like, especially when I did Hyper House, which was my first show on, on um, Apple music I just made sure that I was representing every corner of like every corner that I could of, of underground to underground yeah. dance music, anything that's like peaking its way up that is like ready to be heard by a global audience. I was going to do my best to understand it and to put on as many people as I could. That was my whole goal. And now I, I host a different show now and, and I have 20 minutes of mixing and I can pick like six songs a week. Yeah. And it's still that. I'm still just trying to elevate those people who are really pushing it because you know what it's like. Like there's like this whole army of people pushing ideas and pushing sounds and then they creep their way up yeah. to the top of the pyramid and then it um, it gets pretty co-opted up there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gets a bit murky up there. So you want the people who are really pushing those sounds to begin with to get the shine as well and yeah. make sure they stay a part of the story wherever you can yeah i think it's really important and i think it's there's not many outlets that can do it apart from radio um i think there's not always an agenda but radio is probably the most authentic way that that actually happens um with like the way streaming platforms do they do kind of support new artists of course but I, I think a lot of a lot of it really is still looked at from radio because I know like the BBC and with Apple Music and things like that, that it is about supporting the artist um, and kind of building a story out of who's this new artist um, is there anybody that you've kind of you were like the first person that you're like heaps but I won't say who because I feel so silly like I know it in my heart yeah. that I might have been a part of their story, but I would never claim it because it's like that's uh, their yeah, story, yeah. you know. I, I but I don't think it's but, about claiming <laughs> I found them first, but like, is, is there any anybody that you're like, I really supported these at the beginning, and now I'm so proud of where they're at now. This is gonna sound funny, but like disclosure. Yeah. So like, disclosure's first EP, um. Like it was, it was before I left for America and I was just, I found it and I was telling everyone about it. I was playing it on the radio. I gave it out at the radio station. I even tweeted once. I don't know who's doing Australian PR for disclosure at the moment, but I should be doing it. Cause I'd play like, 
and they hit DM'd me. I can definitely prove this. It'll be in my DMs. Yeah. And they DM'd me saying, hey, can you please email our management? And like, we're tr- like thought that I did PR yeah. and was like, hey, we're actually looking for someone in Australia. Can you DM the management? And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, <laughs> not in PR. I'm sorry. But I do like, I have been really pushing your music. And, um, and I actually had just done a song with Flume and I played Disclosure for Flume for the first time. And I was like, hey, we should get flume. We should get disclosure to remix our track. Wow! And so he sent it to Future Classic and was like, "Hey, um, Anna had this idea to get these guys." Oh no, I sent it and was like, "Hey, we should get disclosure to remix it." And they were like, "They were like, oh, this is actually pretty cool." Mm. And um, and of course that's like, and I also played. So when we filmed the filmed the video clip for me and Flume's song, I played him Hudmo mm. and I played him. Um, disclosure on the way and he was like whoa and like blew his mind I made him a mix and I like gave it to him and it's so funny because it's like his sound definitely changed after that totally. <laughs> and so morphed which was cool um, so that was a cool moment and then actually Chad from Future Classic were in Mexico watching Flume this is in like 2015 he's like you know we often think about like we actually talked about it the other day we were like Anna was the one who sent us disclosure for the first time. <laughs> like that was a pretty good spot from you. And I was like, claim to fame. Like, yeah. Okay. But like, I'm literally like, that's all I do, but I love it. How they were like, it took them for that to be like, yeah. Took them years. Like, yeah. To acknowledge it. I'm like, yeah, cool. I actually love the flume, flume remix of disclosure, the you and me record. I think that's my favorite. Oh, isn't it major? It's my favorite. Flume. I remember I was at Coachella that year when they played it for the first time, oh, and the wow. crowd just like it was like a swamp. It was just like yeah. the the air got sucked out of the stadium. It was crazy. Those guys, Disclosure and Flume, but Disclosure especially, just they just changed the scene like so quickly. They were so talented yeah. from the first. What, they, it was yeah. like, they still are, but the they're first, just doing different oh, stuff Oh, God, now. yeah. They're still even more talented. But it's like from the jump, fully realized, just like leagues ahead of everyone. It was just so comprehensive. And you could tell it from the first song. It was so impressive. Yeah, it was amazing. I, I love that. I I don't think we've had that for a while. Someone just come on the scene and be like, here we fucking are. I don't, can you, yeah. do you know anyone? Oh. Camel Fat definitely did at some point. But it's still very different. Really? So something that I'm really bad at is plucking names, names out yeah, of same. a hat. It's, I have to be like, you have to say the name and then I can say stuff. Yeah. But like, if anyone says name your top five, name your, I'm completely useless for some reason. My categorizing in my brain just doesn't work that way. Um, who has recently come out like crazy strong? LP has. But it's different. It's not. It's more so music-wise. It's it's different. Yeah, I mean, she's just she's smashing it. I'm trying to think. Sorry, my brain's in like disc- I'm like scanning things, trying to think of because it's a combination of production, identity, Branding. and then writing. Yeah. Having yeah. the full understanding of also the writing and, and the the sort of melodic structure. I'm totally blanking. I'm going to have to like look at my iTunes and come back to you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's mad. Um, it's also been a sh- been been strange with music. Um, how did you find it over the like kind of pandemic side side of things? Like 
looking for new music and I don't know how often you like play your records from the radio show at your sets or anything like that or is it just purely when you're kind of programming your radio your your show it's like this is just radio this has got nothing to do with my music with my DJ sets this is just purely what I like for radio uh it goes in waves where the focus will be, um, you know, maybe like 20% radio yeah. focus and then 80% of Anna Luno DJ focus. I mean, there's definitely crossover between those two things. So it just goes, it goes um, on a sliding scale of, of how much I'm trying to push into the radio or like what, like how much I can push on that particular platform. Like, yeah where I am now with my radio show, I only get to pick six songs. So I might pick four songs that I personally just love and can't wait to play out. And then two songs that I feel really need to be on the radio because I I wouldn't necessarily play them out, but I feel that they're a really solid effort and they need to be put on air. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. (laughs) Is it weird doing a radio show when it's playlisted? Um, what do you mean when as it's it, playlisted? When, like, as, as in you don't have full creative control. Oh, oh yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I was thinking about like playlisted after like for privacy reasons or whatever. And I was yeah, thinking yeah. it's always been that way. Um, when it's playlisted, yeah. I mean, it's definitely different, but I also know that, um, you know, I get that small window to do what I do totally. and I get to have a certain amount of sway over the playlist. Mm and of what's chosen from the playlist. So, you know, I have ways that I can um, uh, push certain things and I love doing it. Yeah. I, I love hosting the show and I I would rather that I was doing it than anybody else because <laughs> <laughs> I can still do what, I, what I'm passionate about doing. Do you get to play your own records? On the radio? Yeah. Yeah, but I actually am weirdly shy about it. Yeah. I make myself do it, but I um, will only play them once. Yeah. Like I won't play them and flog it. I'll play yeah. them once and be like, I did this this week. It's out. Like go check it out. Mm. And that's it. I think that's. I think it's relevant as well for the audience who get to know you as well. Totally. Um, it, yeah. build, it builds a bit. It builds a bigger story as well, doesn't it? It's, you're not not saying that this is small but you're not just the radio dj you're you right some people probably just listen to you as the radio dj right and don't know for sure the other side of your career super important for that. sure and i think because apple they they asked me to do it knowing that i had this established totally. career yeah. that they have absorbed my yeah. <laughs> me as an artist <laughs> as well no totally totally so do you know any dates when you're going to go back to america I'm talking about, we're talking through some dates at the moment, but I can't say for yeah. sure anything yet. Yeah. But definitely in the first few months of next year. Amazing. Amazing. Um, Let's wrap this up. We've pretty much just done an hour, but is there a way that for... That was easy. Know, You're a good talker, Will. I totally, that flew by. Super quick. Um, Do you, <laughs> is there a way like new artists can kind of send you music or is that something that you don't... Yeah. So what I have, a, I have one requirement. Mm. I always say you need to find my email. <laughs> you need that. to find my email. Like just find, I can't give it out online because I can barely, I listen to everything that I yeah. get. So 
if you can ask around, maybe if you can get my email, my promo email and send me songs, I promise I'll listen to them. But if I give, it's purely a time restriction. I, yeah. I like can't physically do it if I, if the email gets overwhelming. So yeah. as long as you can find, like work out how to get to that email address, I will promise I'll listen to it. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Anna, thanks so much for coming on. It's been, been really good fun to talk. Um, Thank you for um, having me. I feel like we honestly scratched the surface. I know. I'm just getting warmed up. <laughs> I know. We could literally just go on forever, um, <laughs> but we'll have to do it again. We, I, I'm, I want to do start doing these in person with people. It like because I think it's just so much nicer rather than doing it over Zoom. But because I started right. this in the pandemic, it's like kind of just got used to doing it on Zoom. But I really want to maybe like try and set up like one a month in person where it's like filmed, and I think that's when you can really get into like into it and and have like a full-on conversation um i think it's just different in person right yeah totally i mean congratulations to you for starting your pod in the um (laughs) pandemic and really doing something with it and i do a podcast too i know how much work it is i did not know you did a podcast tell me about this oh yeah i started it like I I have had it on my list on my board for like a year mm. um, when I came back for Australia, but I only just got it done like in the last few months. Yeah. So there's five episodes Sick. online now. It's called Create Destroy. Okay. I'm so it's all that. about creativity. And so it's having this kind of long form conversation with artists, but focused on creative flow, mm. creative hacks. Um, so yeah, that's online now. So I did Chris Lake, um, Totally and Almost Extinct Dinosaurs is up. Boys Noise drops next week. Aluna George, Michael Braun, Latin Grammy Award winning producer, um, and TT the artist, who's a film director and Amazing. musician. That's dope. So they're the that's been online so far, and then still to come this season, I've got Banks and Tisha mm-hmm. and Boys Noise I mentioned, and then that will be the first season, and then I'll take a break and finish my EP. So you're going to do do them in seasons? <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to do like eight, eight, eight episodes and then take a little break from it and get other things done i'm spending a lot of time on it so Mm. i'm gonna need to so you how's how is it being like is it do you edit it all and kind of because i'm i'm just lazy as fuck i literally just this is this conversation (laughs) doesn't get edited unless you ask me to edit it edit something out um and it's just like gets put up on youtube done and people can listen to it spotify apple music all of that um do you how kind of do you do the podcast yeah i fully edit it so i spend a lot of time editing because often the creative like the conversations are really meandering yeah and there it takes a little minute for the for the person to find their point totally. or to find their like the direction of mm. where they're going with their answer because the, it's quite a deep yeah. um convo that mm. that take some even now i'm starting to stutter just trying to explain it which is not a good sign um but yeah it's it's very much like about creative process about creative challenge yeah a great about overcoming and um deeper kind of emotional stuff like that so uh, i find that i when i edit it the points are much more easy to decipher yeah uh and also i come from a radio background that's so so i think it's just my my ego and my natural need for it to be like slick um but i think that there's something really beautiful about 
free flow conversation as well that maybe makes people feel a lot more comfortable listening to it. So I'm not sure which is the better way to do it. But for whatever reason, I'm editing it heavily. I, I think the, it takes a I think time. it's different, right? Is you have different things for different horses for different courses, as they say. Like yeah, with with this with this podcast, like it's very get to know actually get get to hear two people talk and see where it goes if you know what i mean and people like to listen to that but then with by the sounds of yours it's quite like not educational but also educational when people know what they're going to kind of going to get out of that podcast whereas this is like no one knows what we're going to fucking talk about until we actually talk about something um and there's a lot of learning that happens in that too and a lot of discovery too just different ways of of like sharing connection yeah sharing right. knowledge definitely yeah. well let's do it i i'd i want to do when i'm back in la and when you're in la i'd love to get you and mika and do a podcast together and just like definitely maybe get lp just like get a crew of us and just have like a proper nice nice time and, and, and do it <laughs> that would be awesome be yeah be be so nice i think i think as well like everyone all of the people that we see on the road that we have great relationships with but then when the road is not there we really miss each other too and it's Mm. it's like I think it was there's so many passive people passive relationships that I had that were giving me so much that that I was shocked to feel the the gaping hole that they left behind when I no longer was like bumping into whatever random person at whatever random gig so yeah that the that is part of um the healing i think for us all just to spend yeah. a lot more time together and sharing more i think that's it it's also being real with each other as well it's like actually like having the opportunity to talk to somebody that kind of understands how, what you're going through at the same time because nobody else understands this and that's not putting us in like an elitist kind of lane just nobody understands what we do because no one else does it apart from us if that makes sense Mm. Um, like I can't understand anything from somebody else like so I think just having people around that you can have a conversation with and be real like I I've had so many conversations with like Mika and Chris and a few other people during the pandemic in like where you're like we wouldn't have spoken like that before the pandemic with Mm. each other if you know what I mean it's I, I feel like it's really helped people talk about their feelings which is so important like my mum's a therapist and my whole life it's been like talk about your feelings blah 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 and it's actually really nice when you can have somebody that is in the same industry as you is in the same situation as you and you can both like you can both have a shit day and you can both talk about it and be like okay cool like we, we've got this i think it's super important Oh my God, it's being heard. The yeah. most important thing in the entire world. It is therapy in yeah. itself. I think like part of the reason why I decided to do my podcast was because I would do like quick radio interviews about someone's song and mm-hmm. we'd end up talking for 45 minutes about like what we had to overcome yeah. to get the single out. And none of it was really like able to go to air, but it mm-hmm. didn't matter because yeah. we just needed to, talk the to artist you. needed to talk about it. And then I thought like, there are people that need to hear this totally. because when you're making music, mm. you don't even know that the artist that you love so much yeah. had this much doubt and this much process yeah. to deliver it to you. And that's part of the story. And like, it's almost a disservice 
to pretend like it's not there. Exactly. It's almost a service to our audience to be like, here we go, just whipped this out. Like, oh, so easy. Let's go party, rage. Like, let's go. It's like, what can we teach the, what, what can we share deeply with yeah. the, our audience that's going to make them closer to achieving what they want in and, life? And um, what, yeah, and you're right. And whether that's actually not, um, in music is what whether that's what doing whatever they want to do i think you can kind of we can all relate to each other when we're struggling or when we're happy or when we're whatever it's just being able to hear like we have people that really follow us and really care about us but they don't actually know us they just know our Mm -hmm. music and i think we live in a day and age where people want to know you and people have access to get to know you um, it's just how much you're willing to give out to them. And I think by hearing people talk is is a way where they can learn and, and, and make their day feel better. Yeah. And I think that we're in a we're we're in this situation with social media where people expect to get to know us on our Instagrams yeah. and see what we're having for breakfast. And for me personally, like I feel much more comfortable sharing deeply about my overcomings and my fears and challenges professionally like for me I would rather tell them those real things than like anything very real and personal about my my journey with my children or my like you know for me that's what I feel more comfortable sharing because that's like my work life is the public domain in a lot of ways. And, and, um, and I think they can gain from it for themselves. I think, you know, I think there's like, when I think about what I needed when I was starting up and trying to overcome my fears of doing whatever it was that I wanted to do. Um, that's the kind of conversation that I needed from the artists that I loved. I needed that reassurance that they felt that way too, and that they overcame it. And maybe I could as well, like, so yeah, that's what's been that's actually like when we talked before about, you know, what it's called that everything stopped and then I got to decide what to do again and what would make me feel full. And that was one of the things that I felt motivated to do. I felt motivated to share that journey yeah. and help because I've been in those rooms and I've sat across from artists who've told me things about their process that I never would have known yeah. that changed everything when it came to what I was able to do because I could see, well, if they can do it, like I could try, yeah, you know, and I've seen that they're not perfect. Yes, the song that came out is pretty fucking perfect, yeah. but they're not perfect. They spent so long like going back and double doing it, going back and trying it again, getting their friend to write a chord line over yeah. it, getting, you know, just doing whatever they needed to do to get it across the line. Um, and I wanted to share that information as much as I could because it's life changing. Yeah. And I think it's also that, that process of on top of that, what else has, is going on in your personal life or in your life that's kind of affecting that process. Because I think that's also a massive thing is, I, I don't know about you, but for me is like, for me to write music, I, I have to, like everything in my life has to be good. I'm not mm. one person that can write music when I'm down or when I've got loads of mm. shit going on. I have to like, everything has to just piss off and be that good. And and so it's like, it's really interesting to see how other people do do that process. Yeah. 
And some people actually alternatively need the drama. 100%. So they need change and drama to feel motivated to create as well. So, yeah, we're all different and we all have like the key to unlock whatever it is that we – but the trick is is that we need to know all the different keys to try, Mm. right? Like we need to know that, okay, what are you doing right now? You're staying up all night. Mm. You're trying to just put those hours in and burn the candle and like – and you're over it it's not coming together okay cool well why don't we try it a different way where you wake up every morning you exercise for an hour you write yourself a little poem first thing in the day then sprinkle it up throw it in the bin then like you know then try like making a beat in five minutes and then try and make something you know just like make beats for five minutes for a whole day Mm. like we all have to approach it so many different ways to find the key that works for us at that time time, and the key that works for us that time won't work for us the second time Mm. so yeah, I think, and and like something that I say in the podcast is that just because you created something great one day doesn't mean that you'll get it tomorrow. Like there's no oh, guarantees. Man. doesn't matter who you are. So Yeah, I'm going through that right We now. all need it. I'm going through that right now. I'm going through that. Literally, like I haven't, I've written the COVID, I wrote so much music and now I like kind of took time off writing music, which is the first time ever I've taken time off mm. writing music. And now I'm trying to get back into it and I'm just like, I can't even write. I can't. I can't. I'm just like, who am I? <laughs> That's the thing, right? Like, and you've written so many songs yeah. and it's still, I try to explain that to people. I'm like, no, but I don't think I can anymore. I mean, yeah. It's gone. And they're yeah. like, what are you talking about? Like, you've done, it's like, no, that's how it feels. It feels like it's gone. Yeah. And like, they say that making music is like walking into a room and you know that there's a light sw- switch in the room but just it's dark so you just have to like yeah. go around like this trying to find the, the light switch like that's making music every time you know that there's a light switch there maybe yeah. but like you got to go looking with your eyes shut yeah 100 yeah. uh, i can't wait to listen to that can you send me the link i really want to check that yeah. out yeah 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 i'll send it to That'd you it's on all the potty apps um, create destroy how can people follow you and do all of that good stuff on social media. They can follow me on all the social media at Anna Wino, pretty much across everything. I'm not. One thing that falls by the wayside for me is my social media, <laughs> which is the one thing that shouldn't fall by the wayside when you're an <laughs> artist in 2021. But yet here I am. Um, I'm really good at updating it when I'm feeling on, like yeah. out there and doing stuff. But like after the years that I've, the last two years, it's just like, what am I gonna? Stuff. I just don't feel yeah. a flow with it. You'll get there. Um, you'll get. Yeah. You'll get back when I'm to back it. on the road and the work's done, I'll have lots of stuff to post. Yeah. But right now, I'm just focusing on the work. Yeah, my yeah. weekly radio show on Apple Music, podcast coming every two weeks. I'm just about to start finishing off my EP, which I wrote earlier this year, and I just wanted to. I took a break from it to finish the podcast, and so now I'm going to go back and like mm. finishing it off. Um, another song I just released a song called Backseat with Genesis Awusu who's an incredible Australian vocalist Amazing. and um, I'm releasing another song in January with a really exciting singer from the UK she's a singer and a DJ who I love right now I'm stoked to have her on my next song and then um, my EP which will come like straight after it's pretty much done I just need to like mix and Sick. do the... how many records five amazing I like that Five, five. Cool. Yeah. I've never done that. And then I've never I'm... released a five tracker. Really? Yeah. Yeah, never. Oh my God, do it. I mean, I don't know, do whatever you want. But like, 
I bet you're sitting on like five albums worth of music. Yeah, I am. Yeah, we're we're putting some plans in place. We're, it's mad. We're planning 2023 already. Wow, that's yeah, crazy. Wait, mad. what year is it now? 2022 one. or one? No, it's one now. One, so it's 20, yeah. okay. That's really crazy. That's yeah. a long time away. It's a long time, but hey ho, it's fun. We love it. Good on you. Mate, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a really nice conversation. I've really enjoyed it. No worries. Lovely to chat with you. Keep in touch. Um, and I'll see you when you get back. Oh yeah. Can't wait. See you soon, mate. Thanks, Will. And that is a wrap. Thanks so much to everybody that listened. Hope you enjoyed it. Keep safe. Please share the podcast. Please tell everyone about it. I love you lots. See you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.